Hey everyone, are you starting to feel the stress of this pandemic we're in? The longer it stretches on, the more we'll feel the pressure building around us, and the more we'll find ourselves looking for relief. When you hit that point, where do you think you'll turn? Where will you look for relief? Actually, how you answer that question may be a lot more important than you think. You may know Robbie Williams. He's a British pop singer who struggled with drug and alcohol addiction. At one point, he had gone seven months without drugs or alcohol, and he was interviewed about how he was doing. He said, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's quite hardcore to get up in front of 60,000 people knowing that when you come off stage, you're not going to get drunk. Instead of drinking, I pray. Not for long. I ask Elvis to look after me. I've got the tattoo on my arm. Elvis, grant me serenity. Before the gig, we all get in a huddle and pray to Elvis to look after us while we're on stage. Now, today our culture tells us that the way we're supposed to respond to a statement like this is to say, well, whatever works for you. But that just doesn't seem like a very loving or responsible thing to say in this instance. Can Elvis really look after him? Can Elvis grant anyone serenity? And am I the only one who finds it ironic that Robbie Williams is praying for help with his drug addiction to someone who died at age 42 addicted to drugs? And yet I think we can understand the appeal as well. Elvis was cool. And he doesn't make any demands of us. He won't tell us what to do with our sexuality or our time or our money. Supposedly, he just grants us serenity. Who wouldn't want that? But while it may make you feel better to pray to something, most of us would agree that praying to Elvis is putting your life into the hands of false hope. And false hope is dangerous, even if it makes you feel better for a while. George Orwell said something interesting. He said, when men stop worshiping God, they promptly start worshiping man with disastrous results. I think that's true. It's unlikely that any of you will be tempted to pray to Elvis in the coming days, but you will find yourself longing for serenity in the midst of this pandemic. We'll be looking for relief, and it matters where we turn. Expressing our hope in someone or something for relief is what the Bible calls worship. My goal this morning is to teach you how to worship in a pandemic. And to do that, I'd like to consider a psalm that teaches us how to worship, and it warns us to watch what we worship. I'd encourage you at this point, hit the pause and grab a Bible. If you'd turn with me to Psalm 115, I'll read from verses 1 to 18. Psalm 15, verses 1 to 15, 1 to 18. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. 
They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God. Now, the way that this psalm treats worship is so different than how we normally think of it. It shows that worship is a multiple choice question. Worshiping the God of the Bible involves abandoning the other false hopes. We can't just tick all of the boxes. We need to choose where we will put our trust. Worship is a multiple choice question. Now, the opening verses give us some of the options that are competing for our worship. Verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. In verse 3, it says, Our God is in the heavens. And verse 4 says, Their idols are silver and gold. What's happening is that the psalmist is identifying the different ways that people are pulled in worship, the different places that people put their trust. Some people trust in themselves or other people. And some people trust in idols or things that aren't God's. Let's look at both of these options. Now, if you were to picture yourself singing this as a worship song this morning, you'd probably find the opening a little unusual. As you begin to sing, the first words come out of your mouth are, Not to us, O Lord, not to us! It's repeated twice for emphasis, and it's followed by, but to your name give glory. To give something glory is to give it weight, to treat it as important and valuable. And that's really the heart of worship. When we're asking where we give our worship, it's really the question of who we give weight to. And the fear is that we're tempted to give ourselves the glory, to worship ourselves or other people instead of God. Now, most of us probably think we're in the clear on this one. We're careful not to give God, we're careful to give God the glory. We go to church after all. But it's not that simple. Sky Jathani tells about a test that Scott McKnight gives his incoming college students every year. The test asks a series of 24 questions about what Jesus is like. Then those questions are followed by another 24 questions with the language just altered slightly, asking the students then to describe themselves. Each year, the results are remarkably consistent. Everyone thinks that Jesus is just like them. And McKnight's point in doing the exercise is this, even though we like to think we're becoming more like Jesus, the reverse is probably more the case. 
We're trying to make Jesus more like ourselves. He adds that the French philosopher Voltaire drew the same conclusion three centuries ago. He says, if God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favor. Is it possible this is describing you? Could you be singing, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, while at the same time imagining God in your own image? The way that you tell that is by your response to the scriptures. If you avoid the uncomfortable teachings of the Bible, you're probably worshiping yourself. You're giving yourself glory and weight and treating yourself as more important than God. In the crisis right now, what that means is you rely more on your own instincts and feelings than on God's word. And even when the scripture disagrees with you, you hit the mute button on God and you go with your gut. Worship is a multiple choice question. It's either God that will worship or something else. When we're not worshiping ourselves, we're often worshiping things that aren't God's. The psalmist mocks the idols of his day in verses 5 to 7. They have mouths, do not speak. Eyes, do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. The joke is that in verse 2, the other nations are mocking Israel, asking, Where is your God? People couldn't understand why Israel didn't have a God you could see, an idol. And the response in verses 5 to 7 is, I can see your God, and it's completely useless. It's a fraud. It, it looks religious, but it's powerless and empty. And the warning in verse 8 is that trusting in gods that we create makes us as powerless as they are. People are still making their own gods all the time. Elton John was described how he did this in an interview on NPR with Terry Gross. She asked him about a time when he almost walked out of rehab because he wasn't into all of their God talk, as he described it. Listen to how he responded. He said, I was angry because God for me represented a punishment. You know, God will punish you for doing this. God will punish you for doing that. I hated the word God. And then someone said to me, listen, do you believe in something greater than yourself? And I said, of course I do. Of course, I only have to look up in the sky to believe in something greater than myself. Or I'll go walk in the field or look at a mountain. And they said, well, then that's it. Use it. Say higher power instead of God. And I went, I can do that. Well, that's how our culture creates gods today. We reject how God has revealed himself, and then we imagine God as we'd like him to be. And we say things like, we all just use different words for the same God. But the reality is that we're using the same words for completely different gods. According to the Bible, Elton John's higher power can't, spe can't speak or see or hear or smell. It's a lifeless figment of his own imagination that can't heal him or guide him or save him. Worship is a multiple choice question. We'll either worship the true God or something else. Are you giving your worship to the God of the Bible in this pandemic? 
According to verse 1, God is the only one who deserves glory. He's the one whose voice we're supposed to be tuned into. He's the one who's supposed to have our full attention. And verse 1 says, that's because he's the God of steadfast love and faithfulness. That means he's committed to us with a relentless love. He doesn't always tell us what we like, but he always gives us the truth. Then according to verse 3, he's the God who does all he pleases. Nothing stands in his way. He is utterly free. He is in complete control. And he doesn't owe us anything. Everything that we receive from him is of grace. He's the potter. We're the clay. He calls the shots in this relationship. Is that the God that you're worshiping in the midst of COVID-19? You worship him when you look to him for relief. You worship him when you give more focus to his word than the latest news report. You worship him when you trust that he knows what he's doing, even if you don't. And you worship him when you believe in his love and trust in his faithfulness. You worship him when you say, my life's in your hands, God. I have nothing to fear. Worship is a multiple choice question. It's either the true God or something else. Now, as the pandemic wears on, you may find yourself tempted to worship the world's substitutes. Or you may find yourself realizing that your trust in God isn't what you thought it was. Sometimes what happens is when the traditions and routines are taken away, we can realize how little there is to our relationship with God. I want to urge you to worship the Lord in defiance of the world's substitutes. And this psalm gives lots of reasons why we should do that despite COVID-19. Now, I don't know how many of you have sung in a gospel choir or heard a gospel choir. Some of you know we were in a gospel choir for, for many years. But one of the main features is what's called call and response. The soloist calls out the first line and then the choir answers with the second. Scholars believe that's what's probably happening in verses 9 to 11. The choir leader starts by singing out, O Israel, trust in the Lord. And then the people respond, the various groups of people, He is their help and shield. And this gets repeated back and forth three times, first with Israel, then the house of Aaron, which were the priests, and finally, all who fear the Lord, which would include the Gentile believers. You read this and you picture massive crowds of people gathered in the temple courtyard, overflowing into the surrounding streets, all singing, He is their help and shield. So what does it mean? Well, the word help here, interestingly, is the same word used to describe Eve in Genesis 2.18. The help to Adam. Coming alongside. But it's usually used of God bringing military rescue to his people. No matter what happens with COVID-19, we worship God in this pandemic because he's the only one who can save us. And the repeated command to trust the Lord reminds us what worship is. We worship God when we trust him. When we quiet our hearts and affirm, God knows what he's doing. Worship the Lord because he saves. Trust the Lord because he's our only help and shield. Verses 12 to 15 teach us to worship the Lord also because he remembers. 
When it says in verse 12, the Lord has remembered us, he will bless us. It's a statement of faith. God never forgets his people and he doesn't forget his promises. Interestingly, the first time in the Bible where it talks of the Lord remembering anyone occurs in circumstances somewhat similar, although much, much harder than ours today. In Genesis 8.1, there isn't a pandemic, but there's a massive flood and huge loss of life. Noah and his family have been in the ark in isolation, and the rains have fallen for an incredible 150 days. They, they see the death toll mounting all around them, and they're wondering, how long can it continue? How long can they hold out? How long can they stay inside? But just then, the scripture says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. God doesn't forget his people and he doesn't forget his promises. If you've entered into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then he remembers you. He remembers his promises to you and he will bless you. So remember him, praise him, trust him. Trust him while the rains fall because the sun's coming back out. Finally, I wanna urge you to praise God and trust him with your circumstances because of eternity. Verse 16 reminds us that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of man. It's pointing back to God's commission in Genesis 1.28 to, for all of us to represent him on this earth. God rules eternity, but he's given this time and this place for us to glorify him. The way we respond to God in this world, whether in trust or in idolatry, determines how we'll spend eternity. The promise of verse 18 is that those who are determined to bless the Lord now, even when you're feeling the stress of social isolation, even when it feels like your job is more than you can bear, even when you've got the burden of financial pressures you weren't expecting, and even when this virus has come closer to home than you'd have ever wanted. The promise is that those who bless the Lord now will do so forevermore. We'll enjoy him in eternity, in rest, in blessing, in relief, and in joy. So let's sing this song in defiance of all the bad news around us. Let's sing it with confidence in the God who saves us, the God who remembers us, and the God who holds eternity in his hands. Now, sometimes, I don't know about you, for me, it can be difficult to sing alone. I'm not a very good singer, so I often need to sing with someone else, I need to help with the melody. Sometimes in worship on a Sunday morning, you may see me do this. I will kind of lean over towards Jennifer. If I can't hear the note I'm supposed to be singing, I'll lean towards her to, to, uh, to check, and she always says it right. As you seek to praise and trust God with this psalm in the coming days, I want to encourage you that you're not singing it alone. Do you remember how the Bible describes the night of the Last Supper? As the meal draws to a close, Matthew 26, 30 says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
Ever wonder what hymn they sang? It wasn't Isaac Watts, or it wasn't a Gaither tune, it wasn't Hillsong. They sang what was known as the Egyptian Hallel. It's a collection of psalms from number 113 to 118. Now, Hallel is just the Hebrew word for praise, and it's a word that occurs throughout this collection. And it's called Egyptian, not because it was written by Egyptians, but because as they sang these psalms, they would remember God's deliverance from Egypt. And that was what Passover was all about. Before the meal, Jews would sing Psalms 113 and 114. And then afterwards, they, saw, they sang Psalms 115, which we're looking at today, all the way to Psalm 118. And so as you try to sing praise to God while you're coping with COVID-19, and as you express your trust in God instead of trusting in yourself or your homemade gods, know that Jesus sang this psalm for you. Knowing that night he would be betrayed by Judas with a kiss for 30 silver coins, he sang, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Knowing that the disciples would run away when he needed them most, he sang, the Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. Knowing that Peter, his closest companion, would three times deny even knowing him, Jesus sang, He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. Knowing that he would be beaten and mocked by the crowd, he sang, Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And knowing that he would die for the sins of a world that didn't deserve him, he sang, But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Jesus sang this psalm for you and for me. He sang this psalm to strengthen his own resolve when he knew that his greatest test was coming. He sang this psalm to remind himself of the emptiness of false hope. And he sang this psalm to encourage himself with the hope, blessing, and the deliverance that come on the other side of the prayer that says, not my will, but yours be done. He sang this psalm for you, and he invites you to sing it with him. So when you feel the pressure starting to build, sing this psalm and turn to the Lord for relief. Give God's voice and his words glory with your full attention. And when tensions rise in your family, sing this psalm and remind people that God is our help and our shield. When your health is threatened, when your finances worry you, sing this psalm and tell your heart, the Lord has remembered me. He will bless me. And if you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, then sing this psalm for the first time and declare, I will fear the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will make him my help and my shield. No more idols. No more substitutes. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I want to encourage all of you to fill your hearts with praise and determined trust in the Lord as we wait on him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to turn to you 
to look to one who is true in times of stress and trouble, in good times and in bad. And keep us from trusting in ourselves, in giving weight or glory to people, to things, or to the gods that we've made up. Help us to give you glory. We put our trust in you and how you've revealed yourself in your word, not just how we would imagine you to be. We thank you, Father, for your faithful love, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you alone are our help and our shield. You are the one who saves us. You are the one who remembers us. And you are the one who holds eternity in your hands. Thank you that Jesus sang this song. He sang it in a difficult time that we, we can't even grasp how difficult it must have been. But he sings it with us, and so we're not alone. Help us to sing it with glad hearts, with trusting hearts. Help us to sing it with confidence. Help us to fill our homes, our hearts, with praise to you, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's my prayer that this message has given you strength to glorify God in difficult times. I hope that it's helped you to identify some of the false hope that we can cling to and the grace that there is in Jesus Christ. Now, let's praise him. If you know someone who you'd like to join the chorus of this great choir that God is building, then share this message with them and encourage their heart in Christ. For more messages of hope, visit www.gracebc.ca. See you next time.